Live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel, it's Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Welcome to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman, it is rather quiet in here tonight. Everybody away with their families, I think, starting to celebrate the holiday season. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and yours, E. The Jets are hot here in the holiday season. Uh, Left for dead, one and seven at the midway point. The Jets have suddenly won five and seven. We have a Chance to finish the second half for the 2019 campaign with a 6-2 and two record. So what does that say about Adam Gase and company, the way they've rebounded and played down the stretch? Well, I mean, I think it speaks to the great job of coaching that they've done. Listen, this is a new program, a new uh, way of doing things on offense, on defense, new coordinators, and, and things took a while to catch on. You know, they had a, fought through a lot of injuries. I think they're developing a lot of young talent, and it's really showing – uh, you know, the camaraderie, the, the schemes, everything is coming together right now at the end of the year. Inside the Jets is supported by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured later on. Here we will be joined by Jets center Jonathan Harrison. What do you think about the Green and White's latest victory? A 16-10 gritty, tough effort against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That game well, the outcome hung in the balance until the final seconds when you saw Marcus May come up big. And we're going to talk about Marcus here momentarily. But what do you think overall of that ball game? You're facing a team who has playoff aspirations in the Steelers. They come into your building, had a lot of fans. We saw the terrible tiles. And... The Jets turned them away. Well, you know, it, it was kind of what I expected. We talked about it in the pregame show uh, about it being a smash-mouth football game, you know, a game where, you know, you have the Steelers who want to run the football against the Jets who do a great job of defending the run. Uh, same thing on the other side of the ball. Uh, I thought the Jets did a great job of coming out, scoring on the first drive, yep. kind of, you know, that first punch down and letting them know. And then the defense took off from there. I thought they did a great job of getting three and outs forcing turnovers, and getting the offense the ball back in, in great field position. I don't know if the Jets would have been able to overcome what happened earlier in the season, meaning they're in control of that ball game. They got a 10 nothing lead. Then all of a sudden, Pittsburgh gets a field goal. It's 10-3. T.J. Watt gets in there, strip sack of Sam Darnold, and before you know it, there's a touchdown pass for Mason Rudolph. And it's 10-10 at halftime, and you're going in. And a lot of teams would have been deflated after that. The Jets took it in stride, and they came out, and they shut out the Steelers in the second half. Yeah, I was very impressed by the way they went into halftime. Listen, they got tied up. They scored with eight seconds left in, in the first half, which is very disappointing. You want to hold them to a field goal in that position, but – uh, nonetheless, they came out second half fighting. They came out with a lot of energy. Uh, the defense uh, got better, you know, as the game went on. And, and they did show a lot of maturity in finishing that game, doing a shutout. You know, defense completed a shutout in the second half. And I thought it was an excellent job by Greg Williams and the defense. So we've talked often on this show, and rightfully so, about two-time pro bowler now, Jamal Adams. What about his safety partner, Marcus May? takes points off the board mm -hmm. there in the first half, interception in the end zone. Then late in the game, 
he makes like a cornerback. Wow. There's not many safeties in the National Football League who can make that play, the PD, that takes a chance away of a James Washington touchdown, and that would have been a tough loss. Yeah, Marcus May had a, a fantastic game, and he's been playing great all year, but the problem is when you're, when you're a free safety doing your job, you're not getting a lot of the, the accolades. You're not getting a lot of hoopla. You're preventing plays from happening. You're preventing touchdowns, which he deserves a lot of the credit for the, the success of the Jets' defense. But yesterday, he was able to, to get, keep points off the board by defending it, uh, getting an interception in the red zone, and then that play at the end of the game, the one-handed pass breakup, he showed a lot of composure on that play. He, he, you know, he high-pointed the ball. It was patient. He didn't, he didn't panic at the end. A lot of safeties would, would panic in that situation. And Marcus May was all over the field all game yesterday. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from it because we're going to rightfully so give Marcus May the praise here. But what was the coverage in that situation? Because typically you're not going to see in that situation where a receiver is running free, mm -hmm. free safety, last line of defense where you don't have somebody else with him. Yeah, you know, you know what? I, I want to say it was his own coverage. I, I'm, I just remember him making a play on the ball right. and just being in position, getting in phase, getting his eyes back on the ball, and then shooting through the receiver's hands and knocking that pass down. How about the back pedal? You know, mm -hmm. for those watching New York Jets.com and the Jets app right now, he's faced this way, then he turns That's a this way, thing to do. going back. And then uses the left arm to make the PD. Yeah, you know, as a defensive back, you know, especially in the middle of the field, you always want to be coming down on the football. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get stuck in a position where you have to kind of scramble and panic and go back. But Marcus kept his composure. He did a great job of keeping his eyes on the ball and fighting through and knocking that down. And it was a game-saving pass breakup. Jamal Adams said after the game that Marcus May is an underrated ball player and for a person who played the position like yourself do you think that was one of the finer plays that Marcus May has had so far in his National Football League career third absolutely. season right now absolutely I mean you look at uh, you know the the circumstances it was down in the red zone the game's on the line they're up by six Pittsburgh needs a touchdown and they have a receiver open and Marcus to, to show that range you know to, to cover as much ground as he did to come knock that ball down that was a fantastic play and it's something that he's been doing all year but it just hasn't been in that that situation you know Marcus has done a great job of running the defense there's been no communications errors on the back end and you got to give that credit to Marcus how about the interception in the first half that we talked about a little bit listen they're there inside the red zone they're at least going to get a field goal that's a chip shot field goal and Devlin Duck Hodges gets a little greedy he's trying to pass to yeah. Jalen Samuels his running back there in the corner of the end zone. Look to me, there's Marcus playing that post safety. He's reading the quarterback, and he makes like a receiver because he high-pointed the ball there and then got his feet down. Yeah, he did a great job. You know, when you're that close to the, to the, um, to the end zone, as a free safety, you don't have to backpedal. You get enough depth, and you just read the eyes of the quarterback. And he was playing against a young quarterback who was staring down his receiver, didn't go through his progression. And, you know, when you have an opportunistic safety like Marcus May, he's going to read those eyes. He's going to show his range and go make that play on the sideline. And it was great to see him get those feet down. To get, to get that toe swag, that toe drag swag, <laughs> there you as go. Dave Burleson would say. I, I was in the film room with uh, Bart Scott today, former Jets linebacker, and he talked about the first takeaway the Jets had, fire zone. They send five, Jamal Adams coming again, yep, and then we see Terrell Basham 
take a couple steps forward, drops, makes the athletic play, and the interception. Again, taking advantage of a rookie quarterback. Yeah, you know, it was a third down and 10 situation. Uh, they called a, a three-deep fire zone, and Terrell Basham has that three-receiver hook. And it, when, I re, when I watched that again, the whole defense knew that play was coming because yeah. Marcus May is in the center of the field. Of course, he's going to be helping Terrell Basham. He's covering a wide receiver in that situation. But Marcus was in the, in the post. He, was, he had his hair on fire coming down to try to make that play. Basham was able to set it up by acting like he was going to rush then dropping back, Duck Hodges never saw him coming from the backside, and the big fella went up and made a great catch. What do you make of what the Jets did offensively? We were wondering what kind of performance we were going to get out of Le'Veon Bell. I thought he set the tone for the entire game on that first drive that culminated on the touchdown pass from Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson, 23 yards, which was a tremendous catch from Robbie, and Sam put it in a place where only Anderson could go up and get the football. Great throw. But... A lot of seven-yard runs on that first drive from Le'Veon Bell, and the Jets established themselves at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they did. You know, the Jets really did do a great job of establishing that, that tempo, you know, just taking the fight to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're known as a, a bully defense. You know, they've been getting a lot of takeaways. They're intimidating as a defense. But the offensive line, Le'Veon Bell, they came out and punched him in the mouth. You know, Le'Veon getting seven-yard carries, you know, continuing that drive, and then to, to go down and finish it like they did with a great throw and catch by Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson. It was a great drive, and I, I wish they would have, wish they could have continued yeah. that momentum throughout e, the game. E, you mentioned tempo. Did you like the fourth and one where Adam Gase had him get up right up to the line? Le'Veon Bell gets seven yards, but there were a pair of penalties on the play from Pittsburgh that uh, you ultimately declined mm -hmm. but with that being said the pace got Pittsburgh completely on their heels yeah I thought that was great you know Pittsburgh's a team that doesn't sends a lot of pressure and it's hard to, to blitz and to not show your hand when there's a no huddle situation you know you have to you know if I'm a safety I want to I want to sit there and, and disguise my coverage I want to you know be 10 yards back and you know maybe I'll show a blitz or something but if you know this is a no-huddle situation, you have to get to your work right now, and, and that really does a great job of showing the quarterback how this defense is attacking you so they can play off I, it. I thought one of the key drives were when the Jets had a 13-10 lead there in the fourth quarter, and Darnold had some key completions. Bell, again, another critical third-down conversion. He told me after the game he wanted to get the third and 12. He only got like 10 yards, but that set up a field goal. And in that case, in most games you're thinking, listen, you got to score a touchdown here. Mm -hmm. I think Adam Gase is playing his cards right there because he knows what he has defensively. We get a six-point lead here. They're not scoring a touchdown on us. I'm betting on my defense. That's why that was such a key field goal. Yeah, you know, Adam Gase had, had a lot of reason to have confidence in his defense. You know, Pittsburgh had their third-string, second-string quarterback who weren't having a lot of success. Uh, this defense, led by Jamal Adams and company, have been doing a great job all game. Uh, of setting the tone that they, they eliminated the run game. They were eliminating big plays after that first half play. And, uh, you know, they gave him all the reason to be confident in what they could do. All right, so we're going to come right back and uh, bring in Jets center Jonathan Harrison, one of uh, Sunday's heroes. And uh, we're also going to dive into the Jets' final game of the season. Who would have thought that the 2019 is already coming to an end? But we're going to come right back. You're listening to Inside the Jets on ESPN New York.
Darnold takes the snap, drops back, looks over the middle, fires one up the seam, end zone, Robbie Anderson climbs the ladder, he's got it, that's a jet touchdown. What a throw by Darnold, a rifle shot up the seam to Robbie Anderson. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, building a better working world. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Let's bring in Jonathan Harrison, who's not only the starting center for the green and white, but also the team's nominee for Walter Payton, man of the year. Jonathan. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, uh, so many things to get to, uh, but let's start on the field. What's been the difference in the second half of the season for this team? I think just, um, you know, everyone realizing that, that, you know, most of the league was counting us out. So it was like a, it was like a respect thing. It was like, a, you know, we're not going to quit. We're not just going to, you know, fold over. We're going to keep working, keep grinding, and, uh, and, you know, end the season with some wins and then move into the offseason on a, on a positive note and then build from there. Yeah, there, there was a lot of there are a lot of questions that people ask me, like ending the season on a, on a good note, winning a bunch of games. Does that carry over to the offseason? How how do you feel like that will help you guys moving into the offseason? No, 100 percent, because that's uh, building chemistry. That's building team chemistry. And and for the players who are you know, fortunate enough to be on the team again next year, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's already like a step that you've you've eliminated. You already have the chemistry. You don't need to worry about building that chemistry. And um, of course, you know, the. You know, coaches and front office bringing in new pieces to add to, to what we have going, and then that's just how a team builds over time. How have you been able to sustain or maintain or actually get offensive line chemistry? Ten O-line combinations. Jeez, I, I have not seen a year like this in the National <laughs> Football League up front. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, we've been joking around and we've been calling it like, you know, year of the yuck. <laughs> just because it's been just like it's been yucky in there, you know, like guys getting banged up and in and out of the lineup and whatever it may be, and like we just joke about it, but it just you know it's actually bringing us a lot closer, yeah. you know, because guys are able to plug into any position and and you know without skipping a beat, you know, we can continue on without skipping a beat, and and the guys are really buying in, you know, no one's being selfish, everyone's being completely selfless and and just doing whatever they can to help the help the offense. Help and the and how does that help? Yeah, the, the team moving forward, everybody's getting experience. You know, you got guys from practice squad, guys who are, who are backups, getting starting, getting, getting major minutes in these games, including defense, offense, any position. How does that help you guys moving forward? Is it, is it going how to – how does that help gel the, the team? It, it just um, – it shows that – you know, shows some of the, the weapons, you know, the hidden gems that we have on the team. And that, you know, guys performing, you know, well late in the season, that's just giving coaches something else to look at. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you know, this guy's coming out of his shell. You know, this guy, you know, this guy's potential, whatever it is. So, so, you know, it's just one of those things, um, you know, guys, guys have really been uh, busting their tail, you know, getting after it and and not quitting. You know, it's the end of the season. It's easy, you know, not going to playoffs or whatever. It's easy. It's easy just to kind of give up and get lazy. But guys have really been competing. I mean, at practice, we're still full tilt. Yeah. No, we're still full tilt. Like, we have something to prove. So. Well, well, how would you describe this year for you? Because in the spring, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to be the guy. I'm, I'm going to be the starting center of this team. Then the Jets go out and sign Ryan Khalil on August 1st. Um, he starts the first six or seven games, ends up on IR. And here you are, going to be in the starting lineup Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, and I think you're going to match your career high in terms of starts. This is going to be your 10th 
Believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I'm, I really, I really try not to pay attention to any of that. But um, but yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been an emotional roller coaster for sure. Um, you know, like like you said, you know, entered, you know, entered spring thinking, you know, hey, you know, I have a shot. This, you know, this can be my job. Yeah. And and you know, Ryan coming in, you know, granted, Ryan came in and he was he was super cool, super respectful about everything. He's like, man, I, I know this is awkward, but. <laughs> But hey, like let, let's make the best of it. You know, maybe I can teach you a thing or two or whatever. Yeah, sure. and, and we end up becoming really cool with each other. So, um, you know, I just took that as a as a learning learning experience. And you know, of course, you know, initially I was super frustrated. Like like initially when it happened, I was super frustrated. But then I was like, I can't let that I can't let that affect you know this journey I've been on in my career. So you know, it hasn't been the prettiest journey, but 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 I'm always here to work and, and giving my all. And um, I'm pretty sure the guys in the locker room know that. So. It's truly, it's truly just a blessing to have this. Yeah, m much respect for the way that you handled yourself in that situation because it, it sounds like it's an easy situation, but that's tough because everyone, you know, you, you work hard, you have your pride, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you put in this work, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, uh, it, but everything works out in the end. Well, there's one word that works uh, best when describing Jonathan Harrison as far as your NFL career, professional, Pro consummate mm -hmm. professional. Always been able to roll with it and come to work with the right attitude, you know? Oh, thank you. No, thank you. I really, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I have my good and bad days and everything like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, you know, many, many people, whether it's coaches, players, mentors, many people have told me, you know, if you get, you get overly frustrated with the things you can't control, then you can drive yourself insane. So yeah. control what you can control. And there's times, you know, I may, you know, deviate from that just a little bit, but then I always try to bring myself back to that yeah. and, and control what I can control. Yeah, well, let's get back to Sunday. You know, great win against the Steelers. You guys really came out and took the fight to that Steelers defense. Was it – were you motivated by Le'Veon playing against his old team? Were you motivated by feeling disrespected? What was the motivation going into that game? You know, everyone had their little, you know, different motivation. You know, um, that's Beecham's first team. You know, Beecham's first team as well. And Le'Veon with all that, of course. And – Everyone had their different motivations, but, um, you know, for me personally, for me personally, I was just like, this, you know, this is a team that thinks that they're just going to, you know, come out here and get a win. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, I don't think many people outside of the building thought we were going to, we were going to win that game outside of this organization. And, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, all we can do is go out there and fight. And, um, and you know, it, it was a it was a dogfight of a game. It really it was a dogfight of a game, but those are the ones you remember, and those are those are satisfying victories right there. Yeah, you mentioned a dogfight of a game. Just 259 yards of total offense, I believe, four of 15 on third down. But you guys found a way. Yeah. You knew it was that. You knew it was going to be that kind of game because the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bottom line, they got eight victories this year, and that defense. They got elite players at all oh, levels. Oh yeah, that defense was was stout. Yeah, that, that's a very good defense to go against. And uh, we knew that. We knew that entering the week. And you know, hats off to to all the guys that went out there and battled. You know, there's a couple drives that I know we wish we could have finished, but you know, at the end of the day, a win is a win. And sometimes wins are going to be you know a dig scratch claw kind of win. You know, and and we really fought. And it was a, it was a team effort. All three phases performed there. And. Great team win for sure. Is there something about playing at home? You know, five and three at home. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. even though there was a, a ton of Steelers fans at that stadium, mm -hmm. what is it about playing at MetLife Stadium that motivates you as a team? Uh, you know, it's just it's your home. 
it's your home crowd, you know. You see Jetman up in the stands, you know, getting after it, and see all the green everywhere. And, and yes, there were a lot of Steelers fans. <laughs> there were, our, our fans, our, our diehard fans, were there, and they were showing all the love and support. Um, DJ was letting the tunes go this time around. Yeah. Like he was just letting the music play, so all of us were extra hyped before the <laughs> game. And uh, yeah, it's just something about you know having some of your friends and family there, knowing that they're there cheering you on and everything. And that's just what home field advantage is, and and that's what you know. I'm glad that we were able to end, you know, on a, on a winning note, on a good note, because you want to be able to protect your house. You want to have a winning record. Listen, home. you're talking about four in a row at home, five and three overall, like you just mentioned, but mm-hmm. five and six overall because you lost your first two games there uh, when you endured so much adversity here mm-hmm. early this season. So what's going on out of the gate, man? Because... I'm almost disappointed if you guys don't score on that first drive. You've had so much success on these first drives this year, which is great moving forward when you look ahead to 2020 and beyond, and hopefully that takes place in Buffalo. But what does that say about the preparation? And then also, why have you been able to find an early groove? That doesn't happen often in the National Football League. You know, it's just guys buying into <laughs> buying into the, the game plan. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Gase is like, hey, guys, just trust me. You know, just trust me this week. You know, I got you. Just, you know, he'll break it down to us why he's doing this. And, and then it's our job to go out there and execute. And then, you know, when we go out there as an offense and we fire on all cylinders, we're able to execute. We're able to score on that first drive. And I know that, that as an offense, we're trying to make that our, our like, signature almost. You yeah. know, like we're coming out, we're swinging that, that long, sustained first drive and scoring at the end of it. And, you know, it's disappointing when we don't get it, but, you know, all the guys are, are, are working their tails off to try and make that. So what do you up. think about that replay when you saw it on the board? Because, obviously, you're taking care of your blocking responsibilities, but there's Darnold throwing a rope to Robbie Anderson who goes up and gets it, gets his feet down and then afterwards <laughs> celebrates with a hug with Fireman at it. <laughs> <laughs> boy has hands, man. Yeah. The boy has hands, and, and Sam has a hell of an arm. And it's ridiculous. I had no clue what was going on, like you said. I really didn't. I just heard the crowd go crazy, and I looked. I'm like, what, what, you know, what's going on down there? So I started jogging down, see the replay, and then, yeah, I just got so excited. You know, um, Robbie with the Inspector Gadget arms and yeah. just snagging that ball. And, yeah, that, that was really exciting. Yeah. Is it always like that for you as an offensive lineman? I mean, you're handling your responsibility, a play breaks free, and then all of a sudden it's a touchdown. Does most of the time do you not know what happened? There's a lot of times that you have no idea what happened. <laughs> you know, if it's like a big run play, you'll hear the crowd, but you're trying to finish your block or whatever it is. A pass pro, you're shielding your guy off, and you just go off the crowd. Like, every once in a while you catch a touchdown. You'll, yeah. like, you'll actually see it every once in a while, but a lot of times you don't. Yeah, I never thought about it from that perspective. <laughs> do you think – First off, this is your sixth year in the league. It goes, yeah. goes by so don't fast, doesn't me. it? Yeah, that, don't three, remind me. But that's, oh, that's, that's great. That means you've been getting paychecks for six years now. But <laughs> undrafted on the University of Florida, three years with the Colts now, three years with the Jets already. Why are we seeing the best Jonathan Harrison right now? Because if you watch your play, um, I know people are talking about, and Joe Douglas is definitely going to address the offensive line in the offseason. You know that. With that being said, you are putting your best foot forward right now at that center position. That's, that's all I can do. That's all I can do. You know, I was given an opportunity, and, and you know, I, I just have to make the best of it. And, you know, I just always told myself, I'm like, you know, next time I get that opportunity, like really try and take advantage of it. And there's been times in my career where, you know, I, I didn't take full advantage of it. And, and, of course, I regret that. But, what, you know, I can't, I can't focus on that. I can only just focus on the next, you know, the next day. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's a hell of an opportunity, and, and I'm going to give it my all each time. And, you know, hopefully it pays off in the long run. But how different are you in terms of even maybe stepping in the door at One Jets Drive a couple years ago in terms of what you brought to the game as far as being a technician and also that athleticism and the nastiness and you put it all together? You know, it's just, that's just, you know, um, best way to explain it. That's just, you know, the style of play, yeah. you know, that, 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 I, that I offer. And, you know, um, if you need something more athletic, I got that. Um, you know, I may seem a little bit smaller than a typical lineman, but I make up for it in strength. And, and you know, I'm scrappy. You know, I'm willing to get after it a little bit like that. Um, you know, never perfect. Nobody's ever perfect. I'm not perfect, but, but I, I work. You know, I work and I love to compete. Yeah. That's one thing I love to compete, and that's one thing about that room. All the guys in there love to compete, and and it's brought us that much closer together. So do you like it that your general manager is a former offensive lineman, Joe mm -hmm. Douglas? And when you have conversations with him, what, what, it's been, what has it been like? Because the other thing that I appreciate about Joe is he said he talked to you when they were going to sign Khalil. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have to do that, but that speaks to who he is. Yeah, for but, sure. But also, he, he's all, always raved about you as well. So what's it like having a GM who's a former offensive lineman who knows the position? Because, again, not a lot of GMs in the, in the NFL – we're off into line. No, no, it's great because, you know, you just naturally have that, that kind of connection with him you know, being a former offensive lineman. Because they all say in the locker room, offensive linemen are a different breed. You're right. Completely different breed and we're like a pack, you know. We always roll, roll together. But, um, you know, it's great. You know, it's great because communication-wise, he understands and it's easier to communicate with him. And, uh, and he can see what, like, you know, a stat sheet, you know, can't see. You know, he, he's able to, you know, look at this play and be like, all right, well, you know, X, Y, and Z aren't matching up, you know, okay, his hands might not be, you know, 40 inches wide, whatever it is, but... You got time but, you know, for another plus. segment? <laughs> huh? I can do a little bit. I can do a little bit. Okay, great. Uh, we're going to come right back with some more Jonathan Harrison on ESPN New York. Third and 10 at the Jet 45. Again, the Jets show blitz. They've got a bunch of players up near the line, and here they come. Back to throw Hodges. Fires one high up the middle, and it's intercepted by Terrell Basham. Basham trying to drag a tackler to the Jet 36-yard line. Juju Smith-Schuster, the intended receiver. Greg Williams brought pressure, and he dropped Terrell Basham back off the line, and Terrell Basham picks up the interception. Jets reward members, don't forget to enter the code WEEK16. That's WEEK16 in your Jets rewards portal. During the show, to earn 100 points, Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Jonathan Harrison was so good, we kept him on for another segment. Jets nominee for Walter Payton, Man of the Year. Uh, you have tackled the bullying crisis head on. Uh, congratulations on, you, you. on the honor. And... Why, and we talked about it multiple times before, but for people listening on ESPN New York or watching NewYorkTouch.com or the Jets app right now, why was this so important to you and what has your interaction been like with kids continually during these school visits? You know, this is uh, it's really important to me because uh, growing up I was, you know, I was bullied. I was bullied growing up and uh, it wasn't fun wasn't fun and I thought you know the more I could endure eventually everyone would like become my friends all that stuff and then end up just you know 
you know, having to suffer through that for, for many crucial years of, you know, my, my upbringing. So, you know, you know, being able to play football has kind of been an outlet. You know, I joke around saying, you know, I'm able to, like, legally bully people on the field. Yeah. And, um, and you know, a couple of years ago, I was given an opportunity to go, uh, you know, kind of share my story, share part of my story with um, a local school. And um, I did it, and the first time I was super nervous doing it, but afterwards I was like, man, like, I need to do this again, you know, like, I need to get more involved. And that's kind of how, like, my, you know, involvement with Stomp Out Bullying uh, kicked off. And, uh, you know, every, every couple of weeks or so, uh, you know, I may go to a school and, and uh, talk to, you know, do like an assembly, talk to a couple hundred kids and tell my story and kind of share ways that they can help look out for their friends or if they're being bullied the way that, way that they can address it. And, um, and then every once in a while, there might be like a student that, you know, a teacher or the guidance counselor may feel, you know, could use a little special, you know, extra attention. Sure. And then we'll try to, to meet with that, that student, bring him his favorite lunch, you know, and have lunch with him. And, you know, just, or him or her, sorry. And, you know, just spend time with them and kind of make them feel special and give them something to, to build a little confidence that they can talk about with their peers. And, and you know, hopefully that would, like, lessen, you know, the stuff that they're going through, and, you know, just kind of put a smile on their face. So, so when people think about kids getting bullied, they don't, they look at you and they're like, man, you're the biggest man I've probably ever seen. <laughs> what is it like getting bullied? I understand that, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you, without diving too deep mm -hmm. into your story, what was your experience like getting bullied? I was just, you know, I was different. I didn't really fit in. You know, I was bigger than everyone, and um, you know, I was in, like, a real small country town growing up, so it was just, you know, I was different. And, uh, and you know, people thought it was funny, and I was, I was an easy target. You know, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't violent, trying not to fight back or anything like that. And, you know, my mom was like, no, you know, we don't promote violence in the household, and, man, it just made me for an easy target. So, so yeah, it was just one of those things, one of those things that, that, you know, I thought would never end, but, of course, it eventually ended. And now that I look back, you know, it was terrible that, that you know, I actually went through all of that. And, and how were you able to live with that, maybe in a positive manner where, damn, I'm going through some things right now, but this is how I'm going to overcome it when you were going to high school, when you were in grade school, when you were in middle school. So what, what do you tell the kids today? I tell them that, you know, this is only temporary and, and it will end. And, you yeah. know, the people that are doing that just aren't, aren't nice people. You know, it's, it's not cool. Everyone in the world's entitled to, to do, what they, do as they please as long as it's not offending anybody else. And, and you know, everyone, everyone has a right to their opinion and all that stuff. But it's... Yeah, yeah, it's only it's only temporary. It's only temporary, and and just know that one day you'll look back and, and you'll kind of chuckle at it. To E's point, do, does it help the kids? You think, Jonathan, that they can look at you and say, "Well, man, if this guy was bullied, now he's in the National oh, Football League." Sure. I, 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 oh, I, for sure. I know I'm going to be all right. Oh no, for sure, yeah. for sure. And and I also like like I try not to use the whole you know football thing just because they're like. Not everyone is, is you know, six, sure. whatever, 300 pounds, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, whatever, whatever it is that you enjoy, whatever it is that, that's your forte, just be fully confident in that. Mm -hmm. So you may be a musician, you, don't, you know, go be, go be a, an amazing guitarist, you yeah. know, or a pianist, whatever it may be, and make that your confidence. So whenever, whenever anyone has something negative to say about you, like, hey, look, can you, can you play this song, you know, on piano, whatever it may be. And, and just find, find that inner confidence through something that you're good at. I, I mean, I commend you on what you've done. And I, I especially, especially think it's cool that 
you know, as an NFL player, you go back because kids, you know, you, the teachers, the parents, they can tell them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. When an NFL player walks in, I'm sure you have everyone's attention when you walk <laughs> oh, in. Oh, 100%. What, what do you think about social media? Social media, that's, that's one of the – that's the biggest outlet to bullying right now is yeah. cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine up, going to school with social media. Obviously, I got it, it, a couple years on that, you. No, I was going to say, I'm just saying, like, I, I know I'm younger than you two, but I didn't even have social media growing up. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I didn't get, like, MySpace until it was, I think, like, the end of high school yeah. is when MySpace started becoming a thing. So growing up, elementary, middle school, like, all these kids have Instagrams now. All of mm-hmm. them have Twitters now. They can see whatever they need to on social media. Like, there's no restricting what they can explore and see on social media. So there's so much more access. And then... There's so much more opportunity for people to, to reach out and say what they want or comment how they want from, you know, from the safety of their home. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're behind a keyboard. They're on their phone laying in bed, like, making someone feel terrible about themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's miserable that people have to endure that nowadays. It truly is. Yeah, we get in this world that suck. I don't, I don't know how to best explain it, but people get so negative sometimes. Yes. Yes. And you got to do your best to avoid that because the bottom line is, and that can happen, that can infiltrate kids, schools, and things like that. And we see that in social media where I say it is a loud minority mm-hmm. because sometimes you question what's happening with the world right now. Yes. And, and then you have to, you, you got to take into account, okay, not everybody's like this. This is, this is a loud minority. Yes. And we need more positive people. Yes. <laughs> Yes, 100%. So have you, have you guys come up with any kind of solution for uh, dealing with social media as a young kid? Is it to stay off it until you're a certain age? You know, what, what are, you know I have young kids, mm-hmm. so social media scares the heck out of me. Yeah. You know, having my, my 11-year-old have to f- face those problems. Yeah. What, what, what is the best kind of situation for a, for a young kid? It's honestly, just, there's so much access. So, like, trying to say, no, you can't get on social media is almost worse because all of, you know, kids' peers are going to be on social mm-hmm. media. But the best thing you can do is just explain to them, like, hey, look, this, this, and this may happen. You know, someone may reach out or someone may comment on your picture and say something you don't like. Just know that that's them being mean and you have to ignore that. Mm-hmm. Delete it, block that person, and move on. Like, it's, it's easier said than done. It, it makes people feel bad about themselves. But at the end of the day, you know, you're always going to have a critic. Yeah. So that's all you can do. And just keep moving on and know that, like, if this person isn't of any importance to you, just let it go. And look you at go. you now, the Jets nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year, Jonathan Harrison. Well-deserved. Uh, i got to ask you about your quarterback. What about him? What about him? Uh, so, uh, Jets fans, getting excited, starting to think about long-term. He's 22. Oh, he's, got, he, he's got a great relationship with his center. Uh, <laughs> what have you seen from him in terms of progress, and why is he the guy who's going to take this team to the promised land? Week to week, you just see, you see growth. You see growth, and, and he's, a, he's a natural competitor. Yeah. Natural competitor, and quarterback is easy to him, you know? And, and you know, uh, transitioning from college to the NFL, of course the speed's going to be different. That takes a little time to adjust. And then once he figured that out, then he started taking, you know, next steps to, you know, becoming, you know, you know um, a better quarterback, to, to becoming more and more productive, you know, in the backfield. And it's just impressive. You know, it's impressive the, the work he puts into it, the, the extra time he puts into it, and, and you can tell that he wants it. You know, how, how good is he with you guys in the room? Because I think he's got natural leadership uh, mm-hmm. ability. No, definitely, definitely. He's great with us in the room. And, and the thing is that we have is, is we're, able to, you know, we're able to have a conversation about it. Like, he won't ever come in the room and be like, hey, you guys are doing X, Y, and Z, you know? Like, no, he's like, hey, what, 
what do you guys think about this? Like, how can we address this? Or, you know, what call can we make for this? We'll come to, like, a group, you know, you know consensus and, and go from there. So that's how, you know, that's how a, a you know, a well-functioning offense works, you know, is communication rather than just commands. Yeah. And so what is it like with, with Coach Gase? You know, obviously he, he's calling the plays on offense. He's a big part of uh, the game planning and everything mm -hmm. like that. And obviously he and Sam have a great relationship. What is that relationship like with you as an offensive lineman? Oh, it's great. It's great. You know, between Gase, you know, Sam and, and the offensive line, you know, all of us communicate all the time. Um, Gase will always check with us. You know, check with us. He'll check with, uh, with Beecham, our captain. And he's like, hey, you know, what do you guys think about this game plan? He's like, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, this run or, you know, whatever. We're like, all right, well, you know, if we get in this formation that we don't like, okay, okay, you know, let, let, let's switch it up, you know. And, yeah. and it's just real open, open communication, very open communication. And, and then it's great. It makes, it makes for a great work atmosphere. And you can tell, like, later on, like, we've kind of gotten in this flow. You know, and winning some ball games, and that's all because of this open communication. That's that's always been, you know, as a player for me, it's always been great to to play for a coach that understands and will take your input. You know, exactly. as, as a player, you know, because you play for some coaches where we're going to do it like this, and mm -hmm. this is how it's done, mm -hmm. and then you're out there, you're getting beaten, you're like, coach, we need to adjust this, mm -hmm. and they don't want to hear it, mm -hmm. and it doesn't lead to a lot of success or confidence in the exactly. coach. Exactly, so it's great to hear that Adam Gase is, is listening and taking your input as a player. What do you uh, finally? What do you think about this matchup this weekend? You started the year out against the Bills, and now you're ending the year against Buffalo and Western New York. They're locked into the number five seed. Mm -hmm. Who knows who's playing? Because they got to look ahead to the following week, but this game means a lot to you guys, right? Def definitely means a lot to us. Um, you know, despite you know the the circumstance of of our season, uh, you know it is still a divisional opponent, and um, you know it is Buffalo. You know, these this are, these are guys that we see twice a year, so it's our last game. It's Buffalo. Let's you know let's end it with the bang. Yeah, let's end it with the bang, and you know we know it's going to be you know tough conditions. We're we're up in their territory and a lot colder than down here, and. Hey, all we can do is, you know, strap up and go out there and go go battle. A great job by you tonight. Uh, on for a couple segments. Uh, you know, and that's what we expect from a Florida Gator around here. Hey, it's, hey. it's always great to hey, get another go Florida. Gators. Go, go Gators. That's right. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for stopping by. Good luck this weekend, and thank we'll you, be talking you. to you soon. You. We'll be right back. We'll preview Jets Bills this weekend. You're listening to Inside the Jets on ESPN New York. 318 to go. Lock Edwards will hold. Hennessy snaps. The placement clean. The kick on the way. Has the distance, and it is good inside the right upright. Remember, Jets fans, you can stream inside the Jets live through the Jets app presented by MT Bank. Go to the App Store or Google Play now and search official New York Jets. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. We will be right back here next Monday night. So, folks, say, listen, holiday season, plenty of seats available. I think we're going to have a couple guests that you might want to check out next week. Uh, e, great to hear from Jonathan Harrison. Here's a guy who kept his head up. Joe Douglas signed Ryan Khalil in August, August 1st, I believe. And Harrison could have put his head down and said, that was my chance, man. I could have been the starter uh, to open the season, but he, he kept that head up, kept grinding. Khalil went out, unfortunately, and uh, Harrison has picked up, and I think he's done a, a fine job at the center position. I know everybody talking about Joe Douglas, uh, he's got to improve the offensive line position. He's going to improve 
the offensive line position. That's not even a question. But I think Harrison has really taken advantage of his opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier, and you said one word in professional. Yeah. You know, he, he really has handled his business. He, he came into this, op this, this, this season as a starter, and then they signed Ryan Khalil. He's a backup now. Uh, but and then, obviously, he got that opportunity, and he was ready for it. You know, he stayed ready, so he didn't have to get ready. And he's done a great job of leading that offensive line. They've, they've had a terrific run at the end of the season. And I think he's really making a statement and letting these coaches know that I am your center for the future. And not the biggest guy, and he's talked about it before, but he'll, he'll get nasty. He's also athletic. And another thing is he's got a, a very good relationship with the quarterback, Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. A lot of respect on both ends there. Yeah, and it's very important for them to have that relationship, that trust, that chemistry uh, between the center and the, and the quarterback. They touch the ball every single play, and they need to be on the same page. So it's important that they grow together, and I think that he's a guy that, that can be around here for a very long time. Okay, so Jamal Adams got uh, nominated or uh, sent to his uh, second Pro Bowl last week. Uh, we found that out. Of course, and he came back into the lineup after two games off, played very well, had eight tackles, a couple stops behind the line. After the Jets took down the Pittsburgh Steelers, he said, we're not that far away. Sam Darnold said, I think we're not too far away. Le'Veon Bell added, it's going to take time to get the ship sailing in the right direction. Now we're starting to see the ship turn a little bit. Your thoughts? I agree with them. You know, okay. they're, they're not far away. They're, they're getting things pointed in the right direction. And, yes, it did take a, a, a little longer than we wanted to. But if you look at it, you know, the Jets are in a position to win seven games at the end of this season. At the beginning of the year, we talked about this. How many games do you expect the Jets to win? It was six, seven games. And if they can steal one, probably eight. And that's just being realistic. It's not being a Oh, you're going low there. I, no. said, I said in between seven and ten, I thought. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I expected, you know, seven wins, seven, eight yeah. wins. Yeah. You know, that's what I, I expected from this team. But with it being a new coaching staff, young quarterback, young team. But with all the injuries being, you know, that, that occurred to this team, it's amazing that they fought through and played so well at the end of the season. And they really do have a lot to learn, uh, excuse me, a lot to build off of going into the offseason. How much, if any, carryover is there? You're going to finish strong to this year, no matter what happens in Buffalo. Let's say even if you lose the game, you're 5-3 mm -hmm. and three in the season's second half. Henry Anderson said it today that, listen, I think, I don't know how much you can carry over, but you want to have momentum positive, uh, a feeling of positivity headed into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's different when you're uh, just a losing team and you go into the offseason and, you know, you come back from offseason workouts and you're like, man, what, what is it going to be like? Are they going to crush us? But it's different when you're winning. Yeah. You know, when you end the season on a high note, you know, six, seven wins, that's nothing, to, that's not anything to push over. And NFL, everyone's confident. They come into the season, under, come into the offseason understanding that we're going to put in some work. We, we're a couple of plays away from being a successful playoff team, and then that's all it's going to take. So, and we're going to discuss this next week here on Inside the Jets, but I know fans are going to be looking at this. I just wrote this down as you're talking. Cincinnati, Miami, Jacksonville. 16-point lead over the Buffalo Bills week one. So you're probably going to be yeah. at the end of the season, if you're a fan, you're looking back at those games and say, man, if we had a do-over. Yeah. Because, because the Jets are a better team than Cincinnati Bengals. Mm -hmm. They are a better team than Miami Dolphins. They are a better team than the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. It just, they had to go through a lot of bumps early in the season. 
Yeah, I mean that's part of maturing. Yeah, that's a part. That's part of maturing as a as a program. You know, there are going to be games that you should win that you that you leave out there. But when you're a successful team, when you understand that, when you have a veteran presence. You win those games, and now all of a sudden you have 10 wins at the end of the year, and I think that's the step that they're going to take next year. They got a lot of young guys who gained a ton of experience out there on the field. They're going to have a lot of depth, uh, 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 you know, some some players who they didn't really expect to, to blossom, yeah. really got the opportunity this year and did, and who are going to make a big impact next year when all these guys are healthy. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Joe Douglas attack the offseason uh, because – don't expect him necessarily to go out there and sign the number one free agent on the market. I think that he is going to attack this with a calculated approach. Mm-hmm. He's got, he'll spend some money, but they're going to try to build this thing through the draft, and you have to plug multiple holes where maybe in the past the Jets were going at the top of the top, and, and maybe there's different philosophies as far as building a roster so uh we can get into all that next week but about 40 seconds left jets bills what do you expect from buffalo and how does that into uh, ex- um how does that impact your preparation here for the Jets? Well, I mean, I think if you're the Jets, you're, you're always just concerned about yourself. You're worried yeah. about your game plan, the way that you come out here and set the tone. And I don't think that they'll play a lot of their starters. I think the Jets have a great opportunity to end the season on a positive note and to beat a division opponent. Well said. Uh, thanks so much to Justin for helping us out. Kyrie back in the studio. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Remember, Inside the Jets season finale next Monday night. You're listening to ESPN New York.